is Midnight Alchemy with your alchemists, Jason Allen and Holly Jordan. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you are. This is Midnight Alchemy, and I am only one half of the dynamic duo. I'm just going to introduce her right now. I'm no no fanfare. Holly Jordan. Holly, how you doing? Hey, Jason. We're back. Woohoo! Yeah, you know, I am excited about today's show because we're going to run through just all sorts of stuff that people are going to hold their butts to. It's going to be Oh, great. yeah. Uh, we've got here Alfred Santariga, right? And this guy has got tons of cool stuff going on, right? Okay. He is part of, he is head of the New York State Dogman Project and the New York State Sasquatch Organization. Also the Bronxville Paranormal Society, New York State UFO Project. He is a MUFON member in the New York chapter, and he's been interviewed by tons of different newspapers and magazines. He is a lecturer and speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Alfred Sanderigan. Now, Alfred, we're going to introduce you here, and then we're just going to sit back and let you talk the whole time. <laughs> whatever, whatever worked for you. <laughs> I can talk, believe me. This, I'm a professional. <laughs> Listen, man, us, us guys here from Oregon, guys and gals from Oregon, we are endlessly in, 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 in just enraptured with the New York accent. So, I mean, you could read the tax code and we'll be like, you know, hang, hang on it. For word, you know? But Alfred, it is great to see you, man. How are you doing? Oh, thank, thank. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, and uh, I look forward to the, the the interview today. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the first thing right off the bat is it's going to be one of those standard questions. You know, uh, first one is how. Uh, give us your background a little bit. How did you fall into the paranormal? Because I'm always interested about people's journeys into the paranormal. My mom was a psychic. My grandmother and my aunt were white witches i had a cousin who was a black witch or a dark witch um, my brother was one of the first parapsychologists in the united states he worked with hans holzer's right hand man and their psychic ethel i think her name was and uh you know growing up in my house there was always a library of books in his room to read and you know as soon as he was done reading them i got i got them next you know what i mean so um so that's how i got into it that is that is so cool uh yeah i've noticed that there are some other guests that have had you know either family members or people they knew into it and i find that and this is fascinating now i'm going to ask you more about the the black witch later on because that just sounds fantastic uh another thing when we were talking before we hit air here is that uh the dog man i am so fascinated by that because it seems to be one of the newer uh entries into the paranormal i you know growing up you know sasquatch of course ufos ghosts uh but i mean some of the newer ones are like the chupacabra and dogman and and you know i listen to the podcast you know and but talk to us a little about it people who don't know about the dogman phenomenon uh what's it all about yeah, the dogman phenomenon happened, I would say, maybe about five years ago, seven years ago. Um, Vic Cundiff was really the guy who brought it all together. Uh, dogman Encounters was his, is his show on YouTube, and uh, Vic's a great guy. And uh, he, and, uh, you know, he, he just 
got me um, just like little light bulb under me. And then so, and it was like, you know, what they say, you know, the Native Americans say, don't don't talk about the Wendigos, because if you do, you'll bring them to you. Well, I swear to God, it was exactly like that. I started talking to my partner, Brian, dude, you got to, you know, got to listen to Vic. He's talking about these dog men and this, that, and then the more I spoke about it, I started having experiences with them, you know, and, and um, one thing led to another. And then we decided that we, we were originally, my partner, Brian and I were both um, North American dog man projects New York state chapter directors. Yeah. And then, you know, um, a lot of stuff happened with uh, Jody Cook and, and the North American Dogman Project. And we decided to just go out on our own and be the New York state Dogman project. And we would obviously were the directors of that, but now um, Jody's reached back out to us because he's had a lot of issues lately. And, uh, you know, we um, kind of came to, and, uh, his need and so where he made us directors again of the North American Dogman Project, New York State chapter, because we always New York State is a big state. People don't realize it. It's right. a really, really big state. And we had the state itself had about four different directors. You had one out on Long Island. You know, Brian and I um, were like the mid Hudson region. You had one up in the Adirondacks and one out out in the West Coast, uh, West New, Western New York by Buffalo. And we would talk to all the other directors all the time, you know, and even after we kind of left the Dogman project, we still stayed in touch with all of the directors, you know, and uh, so we we never kind of, we never, even though we were not part of it, we were never out of that loop, you know, but um, yeah, the Dogman, the Dogman is like the flavor of the day you know what i mean uh, chupa, even chupa chupacabra is old now you know i mean i remember i remember researching chupacabra in the 90s you know and uh, so chupacabra is old now the new the new thing everybody's talking about is the rake okay um i don't consider i don't call it a rake because when i was when i first started researching it it was called a ghoul right. okay so that's how I know it because I'm old and that's old school. And so, it, you know, even though I prefer, I refer to it as a rake for all the younger generation to me it will always be a ghoul. So, um, and I've seen one of them too, but uh, so that's how the dogman stuff came about, you know, and uh, we just, you know, cause we always thought that everything was connected, you know, and we did an investigation where we accidentally, ended up above a dogman den and we had a fast watch come over and try to chase us out because we kind of believe it was trying to get us out of harm's way but you know I, I wasn't going anywhere that night and uh eventually the dogman did bluff charge us and uh we stood our ground and it and it and it, and it i don't know where it went or how it left because we didn't hear it we didn't hear it leave but we heard it definitely charging us and i got a photograph of it behind a little stone wall sniffing that sticking its nose up taking a sniff like getting our scent yeah and i think at that point when it's it scented us or at least me that's when it the other one the bigger one the male which i believe is the male came to my house a couple of times you know but um but uh, that's a long story 
But that's how, you know, the dog, so the dog man is what people would consider a werewolf, but it's not a man that turns into a werewolf. It's always, uh, I like, it's, it's, it's part human. We know that the DNA, the mitochondrial DNA is female, human, female, the male, the nuclear DNA is unknown. So it is part human. It's very intelligent. And, um, it's the flavor of the month and everybody's into it now. But um, like, I wouldn't recommend going out looking for these creatures. They're, they're not fun creatures to play with. You know, I'd rather play with the Sasquatch all day long, but um, wherever the Sasquatch are, you will find Dogman at the same location too. Or if you go to a location of high strangeness, you will find one or the other both there. You know, we've both had, we've had incidences at like cemeteries, where they showed up as well, you know. So, I mean, they're they're there, and they're um, they put off a really demonic vibe, but they're not demonic. I don't believe they're demonic. I've spoken to some world-renowned psychics that I know. You know, every time I get to, I go to one of these symposiums, and I'm sitting at a table with a world-renowned psychic. I got to pick their brain, you know, and. Over and over again, I keep hearing that they're interdimensional. They're interdimensional. They're interdimensional. So that's what I believe they actually are. And I believe the Sasquatch are as well, but that's a whole other story as well. But that's how it all started with the dog, man. Well, and I want to say I really appreciate you linking these in this manner because honestly, Alfred, that's been one of the big questions and conversations that we find in our area is that it's not just some leftover from another era we do have a strong belief here in oregon and washington that bigfoot and other creatures of like fantasy mind situation um, when we think of them we don't think of them as being a traditional creature we consider them to be interdimensional because of a lot of their characteristics and traits they seem to be in tune with how to avoid us how to live outside, and they seem to be able to disappear. We just interviewed someone from Wisconsin that actually had a couple of sightings in Wisconsin where the Bigfoot actually was see-through. They saw the outlines of it, but it seemed to actually vanish right in front of their eyes. And so I'm not surprised by your comments at all. I'm fascinated with the dogman being... Yeah. around the same place as Bigfoot because I have not heard that, but it does make sense. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, they are. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really intrigued uh, when you talked about the DNA aspect, kind of like a hybrid sort. Uh, do you believe that uh, Dogman, since they're interdimensional, do you think that they came over and, I guess for lack of a better term, interbred? Um, honestly, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I wouldn't, you know, I mean, there are so many theories out there. I mean, from being, uh, you know, aliens playing with the DNA sequences and all of this stuff. And, you know, but if you go back through history, through ancient history, through uh, Greek, Roman, um, Egyptian they're always mentioned, you yes. know what I mean? They're, they're mentioned not only as, um, uh, you know, humans with dog heads, but they're, 
they're 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 uh, civilized uh, creatures. You know what I mean? They're and they have clothes and they have weapons and they they war and you know so it's not uncommon. And when I started researching, when I moved from the city up into the country, and I started going to all the powwows and sitting down with all the elders and picking their brains, I got became real good friends with a couple of the elders from the Iroquois nation. And we have right. an Iroquois museum up here. And I go there all the time and, and I pick their brains. I sit down and we That's talk awesome. and we talk and they, and they, you know, and they say, look, these, the Sasquatch and the, what we call the dog man, you know, they, they say these creatures are supernatural. That's what they say. They're supernatural. They come and they go as they please. That's why you're not going to find any bodies or any skeletons and stuff like that. Now, from what I understand, and this is just one man's opinion in my research, I was, I, in my research, I've, how do I say this? I kind of put this together by myself that if these creatures die here, then they can't bring them back to the other dimension. They have to bury them here. Okay. Okay. So I've come across what I believe are definitely Sasquatch uh, graves. And my psychic says that not only are these, it's like the, one of my places I call the sacred site, not only um, was it a, a Sasquatch sacred site, but before that it was a Native American sacred site. And the Native Americans, there are Amer Native Americans buried there, and there are Sasquatch buried there. And I've found things that look like um, heads, giant rocks that look like headstones with hundreds of rocks across them. Looks like a grave, you know what I mean? But it's a really big grave, you know? Right. And um, and uh, so I believe because I, and this is another one of my theories, especially with these two particular creatures. Because I've interviewed hundreds of hunters over the years. And I've had hunters tell me, I've had them in my crosshairs and my, my scope, never intending to shoot, but just to get a better look. And they disappeared. Where'd they go? I said, well, did they actually disappear? Or did they just raise their vibration and change the, the, change the frequency and change the spectrum of light that they're in? Maybe they're still there just in a different spectrum of light and you can't see them. You know what I mean? Yes. Right. And, and I, and that's one of my big theories. I truly believe um, like my partner believes they can come and go like genie blink out and blink in and blink out anywhere, anytime, anywhere they want to go. I believe there are certain locations on the earth that yeah. are a place of high strangeness where they can Go, uh, the portals open and close, you know, and they have the ability to open and close those portals, but I don't think they can do it, you know, every single, everywhere they want to, they want to do it. I think they have to be at a certain location, a certain area, a place of high strangers that resonates that kind of energy where they can use their vibration and frequency to open up a portal or dimensional door and go jump through, you know, right. again, it's just one man's opinion. No, no, t totally, totally agree with that. Uh, one last thing about the dog man before we get on the Sasquatch more is I have a, I have a pet. Don't eat, I know pun intended, but uh, sort of a theory about, cause I love the fact that you mentioned through history 
Uh, and, and the popular myth of Rome was it was created by Romulus and Remus, right. who, who was raised by a giant wolf, right? Wolf. Yep. My, my theory is it wasn't a wolf. Of course, it came down through because that's what they, you know, uh, could only describe it at. But my theory is it may be in something to akin to the dog man. Sure. I mean, I, yeah, and I, and I agree with you 100 percent. You know, like I said, there are there. Are, I mean, there are certain uh, ancient people, civilizations that, you know, discuss these, have images of these things. And they're just there. Marco Polo talked about coming across them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it, it's it's written down in history. It's there, you know, and they existed. Um I don't know if they interbred with humans or if somebody else was playing with the DNA and the genetics. I don't know that. I couldn't tell you. I'm not privileged to that information, but, uh, you know, um, who knows how, how they became part human, but they are definitely part human, both species, the dog man and the Bigfoot for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Okay, now we got to get on to the Sasquatch. We've kind of messed around a little bit with it, but or Oregon, you know, and Washington is a huge hotbed of uh, not only uh, Sasquatch, but the lore behind it. Uh, and, and a lot of people have a hard time. I mean, they're, they'll believe in, like, their own region, but they don't have the sense of it's all, you know, all over North America. I mean, there's been sightings all over the world. Right. Yes. Of Sasquatch. Um, I am very interested in your experiences with Bigfoot. Uh, just tell me more, sir. <laughs> well, my first experience with, with a Bigfoot was when I was 12 years old down in South Florida. And it was the, what they called the skunk ape. Yes. You know, uh -huh. so I mean, so um being from New York and going to South Florida, my sister lived on the outskirts of the Everglades, um, never thinking that, you know, we were going to come across a, a nine foot uh, thousand pound monster, you know, in the Everglades um, was was mind boggling enough. You know, I always believed for, I don't consider I don't call myself a psychic. Like, I don't claim to have any psychic abilities. But I get gut feelings. I get vibes. Okay. And the longer you do this, the more sensitive you get to different energies. And, you know, you'll, you'll start tasting things, smelling things, touching things, hearing voices in your head, seeing pictures in your mind's eye. All of this stuff comes to you over time. But I always had that gut feeling. And I always had that. Go. And the very first time I seen the Patty film. OK, I think we went to see like me and all my cousins. We all went to the movies to see James Bond or something. Right. And it was like a, the trailer in the beginning of the movie. Right. Or at the end. And we watched it and all my cousins called bullshit on it immediately. And I just got an overwhelming feeling that this was absolutely 100 percent legit. And there was no ends, ifs, and buts about it. And I always believed it to be true. Did I think it was in New York or South Florida? No, it was always the Pacific Northwest, especially to a kid growing up in the city, you know? Um, but um, they are. They are all over the United States. We, we, get, we, get, we get reports from Ohio, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. Um, we, you know, 
I was up up in Massachusetts last summer on vacation, and uh, we were up there, and we were hiking through the mountain ranges up there, and uh, there was tons of evidence, just tons of sign. You know, just you could just see sign if you knew what you were looking for, you could see it, and they're just they're just all over the place, and they truly do exist. And um, you know, um, I could go on and tell you all about all of my experiences and. We'll be here all night, you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. but uh I mean, no, I mean, so when I came back from Florida at 12 years old, you know, having this skunk egg experience, it was just like mind-boggling, just blew my mind, just blew my mind. And I mean, uh, if you want me to go into it, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you the experience because it's an incredible experience. But um oh, we, I mean we, if you we got right. it. Yeah, let, let's go there. Let's go there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if you wanted to be go there. 12 years old, my cousin, Anthony and I get sent down to South Florida. It's our summer camp. My cousin, Anthony was 15. I was 12. He was like my big brother growing up. You know, we were very, very close. And uh, so we, we went down there. My brother-in-law was a ex Marine, had an Italian restaurant in a little uh, town called Davie. Now this place didn't even have sidewalks. The biggest thing that happened there in the summer was the 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 what you call the rodeo on the Fourth of July. That was it, and we we're sitting out there that particular summer. There are a lot of fires. There's a drought. There's a lot of fires in the Everglades, and a lot of the animals are getting pushed inland. My sister lived on a, like a giant square. It was like a two mile square, surrounded by canals and swamp, and. Uh, all summer long, we're hearing reports about troopers seeing skunk apes and skunk apes peeping into people's windows. And, you know, it's on the news, it's on the radio, it's in the newspaper. And, you know, we're like, what is this skunk ape that these people are talking about? One night, my cousin Anthony and I are hanging out, two o'clock in the morning. We just finished watching Don Kirshner's rock concert. You know, back in the day in the 70s, mm-hmm. and something horrible walks by the house, stunk to high heaven. And my sister had two canine German Shepherds, big boys, 125 pounds each, and they went nuts. And I dragged them into the into the garage so they wouldn't wake up the whole house. And the next morning we told my brother-in-law, and my brother-in-law said, Oh, that's the skunk ape. Now we had heard about the skunk ape on the TV and the news, and we heard the reports, but you know. Being from the city, you know, we, we, we're calling bullshit on it. You know what I mean? We really are. We're calling bullshit. And so my, my brother-in-law starts telling us about the skunk game. So we're like, oh, come on. You know, you know, you know this is, he's pulling our chain. You know what I mean? Then we started talking to the, the kids in the neighborhood. And we knew a lot of them because we would go down every year. It was our summer camp. And um, they would tell us, yeah, when when it's hot like this and it's but this there's droughts, they do come in. And like to the Floridians, it was no big deal. It was a, 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 like it is to you guys up in Oregon, right? right everybody right. knows everybody knows the Bigfoot exists in Oregon, right? So okay, so then another night, so then a few days go by, and my cousin Anthony and I are getting ready to go to bed two o'clock in the morning again. Now the way my sister's house was set up. She had a six-foot fence around the sides that went around the back, but the front was opened with a circular driveway with a fountain in the middle and sensor lights all around the house. 
and a giant picture window that looked out into the to the driveway. And we were sleeping on a pullout couch on the other side of that giant picture window. And we're just getting ready to go to bed. And the sensor lights come out outside and the dogs start growling and the hair goes up. And we see this large shadow go across the wall. And we're like, whoa, what the hell is that, right? And the dogs go absolutely insane. I jump up immediately and I grab them again. I throw them in the garage because my, like I said, my brother-in-law was an ex-Marine. He didn't play games. You know, he worked hard all day at the restaurant, didn't get home. He wanted to sleep. So I belly crawl back to the window. <laughs> and I know because I don't know what this giant thing is. I belly right. crawl back to the window. My cousin Anthony is frozen in fear. He hasn't moved an inch, right? And I peek out the curtain to see what's out there. And there's what I call the monster. It was nine feet tall. It had it was dark, dark. It was black, but it had red tint in its hair. Okay. Its eyes were red. It had canines. And it. I thought it was looking directly at me because it was staring into the pincher window. And it does this incredible Hulk kind of flex and scream which just goes right through you. I don't know if you've ever been around a Sasquatch when they scream, but it goes through you like a, a bass, a drum at a Metallica concert, okay? It just goes right through you. Yeah. And um, so we're looking at this thing. I'm looking at this thing, and it starts to walk off to the left side of the house, which was an empty lot at that time, but it had a lot of wild watermelons in it. And so I grabbed my cousin Anthony, I pull him out of bed. I said, come on, let's go into the kid's bathroom, keep the lights off, and we'll watch this thing walk by. Because I know the sensor lights are going to go on when it gets to that corner of the house. And as it's walking by, the lights go on. And that's how I judged its height, because I knew the fence was six feet tall. And this thing was head and shoulders above the fence, okay? And it was walking along the fence line. And the whole time... It was looking at us like it could see us in the bathroom. Now, the windows were tinted, the screens were black, and we had the lights off. So how it seen us, I don't know, but it was looking right at us. It stops, reaches down and grabs a wild watermelon, takes a bite, and there's nothing left but nubs, throws it down, starts walking towards the back of the house. So we run out to the back patio because we know when it runs, gets past the back of the house, the back lights are going to go on. He gets past the back of the house. The back lights go on. Again, the whole time as it's walking, it's turned back looking at us. And we're watching it. And it, the, the people who live behind us had a man-made lake. It got to the man-made lake. It squatted down. And it, start, it cupped its hands. And it started drinking the water out of the man-made lake. Then it got up. And it walked off into the swamp where we used to ride our dirt bikes, have bonfires, go horseback ride in the whole nine yards. And it just started screaming once it got into the, into the deep swamp. So that was like the first night we actually seen it. So in the morning, we told my brother-in-law, we went out and there was footprints along the fence line in the sand. And we measured them. They were like 18 inches long and nine inches wide. And my brother-in-law was like, 
I'm coming home from work at lunchtime with plaster. I'm casting these and I'm putting them up on my bar, he says. So we have a, like a conversation piece wow. on his bar, you know? And uh, But he got busy at the restaurant. He never came home. And the, there was a rancher down the street that did horse tours in the swamp. And they always rode by our house and they destroyed the tracks when they rode by. And so that was the first night. And it was, you know, like... Like I said, to me, it was a monster. I had never seen anything as tall. I've never seen anything as wide. It had to be four feet wide. It had to be three feet thick. I mean, it was just, it had the conical head. It was just a monster to me. It looked like King Kong, honestly. And then a few nights go by and my brother-in-law, when he would come home from the restaurant like around midnight, he'd always bring us some like burnt pizzas or whatever they burnt at the restaurant that they couldn't sell, you know? And my cousin and I would always eat it all, you know? So one night we were sitting at the, we were inside the patio and uh, my sister's out there. We're all eating uh, this burnt pizza. And uh, my brother says, well, uh, how was it tonight? You know, we're like, oh, it's pretty quiet. You know, it's been a, a couple of weeks now. It's pretty quiet. And no sooner did we say that, we hear what sounds like a 30 odd six going off from the horse rancher's farm. Bang, 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 bang. We run to the front house and you can see the muzzle flash of the yeah. gun going off, you know? And my brother says, jump on your dirt bikes, go over and see what's going on. We knew the kid who's, who's on this. We knew the kids whose father owned the horse ranch. You know, he was one of our local friends that we hung out with every night. There would be times where we, shoveled shit to make money to buy beer you know what i mean at, at the at the ranch we take we would take out tours in the swamp because the horses knew where they were going he just wanted somebody in the front and somebody in the back and the horses just went around where they had to go and then back to the back to the, the, the stables so we so the guy knew us so we raced down there on our dirt bikes and the whole neighborhood is out there you know and he's telling us he had just bought a horse from wyoming and he had it he had a Native American Seminole breaking it, the horse, you know? So he couldn't keep it in the stalls because if he put it in the stall, it would kick and it made all the other horses nervous. So he would keep it in the corral outside. Well, this thousand pound creature snuck up on this horse and grabbed it from its hind quarters. Oh my God. And apparently the horse must have kicked out because it must have broke the creature's grip, jumped over the corral and into the pasture. Once it got to the pasture, the, the, the skunk ape couldn't catch him. At that point, the rancher's out there with the gun shooting away, you know, trying to kill the creature. So um, the next morning, so the sheriff comes out and he says, okay, you know, we're going to have to start picking up the patrols. You guys are on the outskirts of town and right up against the swamp. And, you know, yeah, so we were surrounded by canals. I mean, we were surrounded by canals. We, there was only one bridge in and one bridge out. And it was only big enough for one car at a time. And uh, yeah, no, this was, like I said, this is 74. South Florida was, this part of Florida was still cowboy country, you know? And um, so a few nights go by. Um, the, my my brother-in-law tells us, he says, listen, I got friends coming in from New York. We're going to take them out to, taking them out to eat, going down, dancing and dinner and dancing in Miami. You guys got to watch the kids. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, no problem. We'll babysit the kids. Go have a good time. And 
they came home from entertaining their friends from New York. Again, it was around two o'clock in the morning. And as soon as the car pulled into the driveway, the dogs went crazy. You had to let the dogs out, otherwise they would have tore the house off. Let the dogs out. They run out to my to, to meet my sister when she gets out of the car. And we're all hanging around the front of the car. And my brother says, any action tonight, you know? Because he really wanted the footprints. That's what he was looking for to put on his bar. He wanted a cast, you know? And we said, no, no action tonight. Pretty quiet night. Again, no sooner than we see that, there was um, a cattle rancher to our south. The horse rancher was to our north. And he had a white Brahma bull. This bull was as big as, as a minivan. It had a hump in its neck. If yeah. it was 2,000 pounds, it weighed an ounce, okay? And I know personally how big this bull is up close and personal because I used to jog that two miles every day. That was part of my workout routine because I was into martial arts. And one day I'm running past this lady's house and she's pulling into her, her road with her car. She hits the remote control to open the the, the, the the fence so she could pull in. And she had a St. Bernard that was like Cujo. That was just insane. And every day I ran by that house, that dog would want to kill me. Well, oh, she she opens up the gate and the dog takes out off after me. I'm running by, I'm running for my life. And down in South Florida, there are no trees. It's flat. You can't climb up any trees to get away from a dog. And I'm running and this dog is gaining on me. And I'm thinking, oh man, I, I'm going to get mauled. And then I see the, the cattle ranch's farm. And his fence was only like four feet high. The cows didn't rub up against it. The bull never did, bothered with it. So I dove over the fence into the pasture. And when I dove over the fence into the pasture, away from the dog, the dog jumped up on the fence and started you know, going nuts. Well, when the bull seen the dog up on the fence, the bull started walking over to the fence to protect the cows. In the meantime, I was scared to death because this bull was so big. He was a monster. I'm, I'm hiding behind the cows trying to work my <laughs> way out the front gate oh because I don't, I don't want the bull to charge me, right? Right. But right. the dog really, he, his focus was on the dog. Eventually, the lady called the dog back. The dog went back. I snuck out the front gate. I got away. Okay. So we're sitting in front of the car. We're talking that it's been a quiet night. And then we hear the most horrific scream you ever heard in your life. Nobody knew what it was. I mean, it sent shivers down everybody's spine. My sister freaked out. She grabbed both dogs and ran into the house. Right after we heard that horrible scream, we heard what sounded like a double-barrel shotgun go off. Boom, boom. And we looked at the cattle rancher's house. That's where the flashes came from. And my brother says, jump in the car. Let's see what's going on. So my cousin Anthony jumped in the front seat. I jumped in the back and I'm hanging out of the moonroof because he got the moonroof open. I'm hanging out of the moonroof. Just as we get to our street, the deputy is doing his patrol and he's in front of us doing like two miles an hour, right? He's crawling. He's got the spotlight pointed to his left because that's where the swamp was. And you can see another car at the far end of the uh the the area the, the 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 area that we're in it was called Sunshine Acres. 
And the fight, and it was, we knew that it would, that was probably the sheriff coming around from the other side, you know? And as everybody is looking left towards the swamp, the creature comes running out of the darkness on the right, and the deputy hits it with the police car. Ooh. And when he hits this creature, this car stopped like it hit a telephone pole or a tree. It just stopped dead. The creature, uh, the, the skunk ape, goes down and takes down a like a school bus sign that is supposed to be impossible to bend up to like 250 mile an hour winds can't bend this sign. Well, when this creature hit that sign, he pancaked it. He just flattened it. Now the creature gets up and it starts limping over towards the police car. My brother hits it with the high beam, so we get a good look at it. And I'm hanging out the sunroof, so I'm really... I feel like it's up close and time slows down. I mean, time just slows down. And when I tell people, when you see these creatures for the first time up close and personal, your brain cannot comprehend what your eyes are seeing. It just doesn't, it doesn't exist, doesn't compute. Believe me, I, I can't emphasize that enough. So the creature hobbles over to the police car and we can see the deputy with his hands on the car like the silhouette. And it does a hammer punch, boom, on the front of the car and it screams in at the deputy and the back of the car comes off the ground. And we're like, whoa, right? And uh, it hobbles off into the swamp. The sheriff comes around the corner. Now he puts his lights on. He comes racing down to us. He sees the car totaled. And he's like, what, what, you know? And the deputy's giving him his statement. He said, why didn't you shoot it back in those days? They kept the shotgun on the front in between the driver and the passenger, right? right? Oh, yeah. It's not in, the, not in the trunk like they keep them now. They kept them right up front with them, especially down there, because they still had the chain gangs down there cutting the grass in the, in the swamp. And... um so he tells the he tells the sheriff the shotgun wasn't big enough. You know, the shotgun just wasn't big enough to do any damage to this creature. And uh, so the sheriff has taken his statement. The sheriff has taken our statements because we're witness to it. I guess an accident report or whatever for the insurance. And the cattle rancher comes racing up the block in his pickup truck, and he's screaming at the sheriff, "You got to see what that damn creature did to my prize bull." And I'm thinking. What could this thing have done to this bull? This bull was a monster in himself, you know what I mean? And so, you know, and, and this guy is going nuts because these bulls cost a ton of money, you know what I mean? And yeah. he's going absolutely nuts. So the right. sheriff says, Okay, okay, I'll come, I'll come to your I'll come to the ranch. So the sheriff leaves with the cattle rancher. We follow the sheriff. We go with them. We left the deputy there in the middle of the street. We go with them, and uh, as we're going down the road. He's got his spotlight and he's panning the pasture. And there in the middle of the pasture is the bull bleeding out with no head. This creature ripped the Ooh. head right off the Brahma bull. Dang. Okay. And so I'm sitting there thinking, this is impossible. This bull was the size of a minivan, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, where's the head? When he finally found the head, it was 100 yards away on the other side of the pasture. At that point, the sheriff said, okay, we're going to take care of this tonight. And he called in the stadies and the county. And they came in with horses and dogs and helicopters. And they searched all night long. And they never found anything, mm -hmm. anything. 
So the next day we thought we were going to have newspaper reporters at our house because we were the only witnesses. We were following the deputy and all of this stuff. And no one ever came over to interview us. There was never anything about it in any of the local papers, nothing on the news or the, or the radio. Nobody interviewed us. But the, this, and this is a crazy part of the story. I mean, I know the whole story is crazy, but this part is absolutely insane. There was a part of the swamp where we used to hang out and jump our dirt bikes that the locals called the turnaround. The tide would come in, turn around and go back out. And all the local kids swam in the swamp. And they were like, come on. And I'm like, I'm not going in there. Are you out of your mind? There's alligators in there and there's water moccasins in there. I didn't come to Florida to get eaten by an alligator. What are you, nuts? My <laughs> sister's got an Olympic-sized pool in her backyard that's fenced in. I don't have to worry about anything. And these kids swore up and down that there was no alligators in the turnaround. And my cousin, Anthony, and I just thought they were nuts. One day, we're fishing in the turnaround. There's tons of fish. There's tons of turtles. There's tons of frogs. Why wouldn't there be any alligators or water moccasins, right? And we're fishing, and we're fishing in the, in the turnaround, just me and my cousin Anthony. And an alligator is sunning himself, and he's coming, and he's floating in. And hand to God, when this alligator realized where he was, his eyes opened up like he's seen a ghost and he ran on top of the water to get out of the turnaround. So we just looked at each other like, did you just see that? You know, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, we can't be, we both have the same hallucination, right? So I was telling it to one of the local kids, one of my friends who was like a real rebel, this kid is like one of those kids who never wore a shirt, never had shoes on his feet. He could climb fences and rocks and trees and just a real rebel. And uh, he said to me, he says, I got I got I got I think that the the skunk ape has underground lairs in the swamp. He says, and I think once they get to the, the swamp, to the canals, that's why no one could ever find them. So he says, I think they have one in the turnaround, and that's why the alligators don't come in it. And he goes, Why don't you help me look? And we'll, you know, we'll we'll look for them, we'll dive down around. And I was like, are you out of your mind? I'm not going in these cattails and getting all, all caught up in a cattail and drowning or something like that. And this kid's diving up and down, up and down for like 20 minutes. Finally, he says, I found something. There's an opening about 10 feet down. It looks like a, 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 a cavern. I'm going to swim in there and see what's in there. And I was like, dude, don't go in there. It's probably an alligator den. You're going to get eaten, you know? And he's wow. like, no, no, I'm going in. He swam in. And apparently he came up on an underground pool. And he said there were like caves all around in a circle. He said, and he, the smell was so bad, he couldn't breathe. And it was, the, 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 it was so bad that it burnt his eyes. He oh, wow. said, and he swore up and down that all those caves had had skunk apes living in them. So he came out out of the water and he told me, he said, if I'm not back in five minutes, you go get my brothers, you know? And I didn't even have a watch back then. I'm counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, right? <laughs> so I'm just about to start up the dirt bike to go get his brother. When he comes flying out of the water, 
He's bouncing off the wall like 100 miles an hour. And he's like, ow, ow, I found it, I found it, I found it. And he's like, you got to come with me. You got to come with me. You got to validate it. You gotta... I'm like, wait, 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 time out. I said, dude, I believe you. Because this kid wasn't a, a bullshit artist. You know what I mean? And he was just so off the wall, so excited that, and, and, and to be honest with you, he had some kind of funk on him, you know? Oh, like when he okay. came up out of the water, the funk. Sure stuck to him you know and uh he's telling me and i was like look i believe you i believe you but i'm not i said think about this if your father woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and he seen somebody in his house what would he do he would shoot him right there on the spot i said what do you think this creep this is 1974, South Florida. Yeah, yeah. Every every pickup truck had a dirty 30, a 30 out six, and a 12 gauge in, on the window. Right, okay. Right, right. Every single one. All of these kids had pickup trucks. They all had guns on them because they all hunted, you know? And uh, I said, What do you think this creature is going to do if you pop your head out of the water and it sees you? It's going to pop your head like, oh, you know, like a, a snapple or so, you know what I mean? A, a soda cap. I said, Forget it. I'm not going in there. And he goes, all right, you got to do me. You got to promise me you'll never tell anybody about this because if the police find about it, they're going to come in here with the army and they're going to demolition everything, you know, and they're going to kill all these creatures. And these creatures have a right to live just like we do. And I was like, listen, I promise you, I'll never tell anybody. And I never told anybody about it, not even my cousin, Anthony. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody till my brother wrote a book called uh, Paranormal Family and Friends by Frank Santariga. And I, my, my sister said, you should talk to your brother about his experiences. He's got a ton of stuff, you know? So then I told my brother about it, you know? My brother was like, why didn't you tell me this in 74 when you came back from Florida? My cousin, Anthony, was a weightlifter and he was a big dude, okay? He had a back that was like three feet wide and we fought all the time. And he told me, he said, if you go back to New York and you tell anybody what happened to us down here, I will kick your ass. Because everybody, <laughs> my family, the way my family shows love is by breaking your chops. Okay. <laughs> and my brother took a unordinary amount of abuse from my uncles for being a parapsychologist you know, getting a degree in psych parapsychology. I mean, my brother was a, a computer science ex guy too, you know what I mean? But that was it. They said, how are you going to make any money? Everybody in my family was a tradesman, a carpenter, a tile man, something like that, you know? And uh, they were breaking my, and then him going out ghost hunting. But my family believed in ghosts. My family did seances and they read tarot cards and they did all of that stuff. But yet they broke my brother's chops religiously. So my bro my cousin said, if you go back to New York and you tell your brother, it's going to get back to my mother and all uncles and we're right. going to get abused. And he goes, and I'm going to kick your ass, right? <laughs> so he goes, so I said, okay, you know what? I promise I won't tell anybody. But of course, as soon as I got back to New York, I told my two best friends, you know, I'm like, dudes, sure. you know, you, you, and I go, yeah, I don't believe it. So whatever you do, don't mention it around Anthony because then he'll kick all of our asses, you right, know? Right, right, of course. But, um, but it was just, 
you know, so I'm thinking like, I'm telling my cousin, Anthony, we come to Florida, they, you know, we got to deal with gangs in the neighborhoods going from one alley to the other. We got to fight our way from one neighborhood to the other. I said, and we're going to come to Florida and get killed by a, a monster, you know, a skunk ape. That's insane, you know? And, and like I said, people always say, oh, I, I can't wait to see it up close and personal. Even the most benign um, uh, uh, sighting, when you're up close and personal, your brain cannot comprehend what your eyes are seeing. They're just so big and they're so thick and they're so massive. You're just, you're just, they're not supposed to exist. And so, so that was my furry first uh, uh, thing with, with the skunk ape in, in 1974 when I was 12 years old. And I'll be brutally honest with you. It messed me up for a good two years. I couldn't sleep at night for two years. And, and I lived in the city, you know what I mean? And it's still, cause my bedroom window, my bedroom at one time was a front porch. My father being a carpenter, closed it off and made a bedroom out of it for me, you know, and, and only windows he had in his shop was a picture window with two little side windows. So he put them up. So I had a big picture window in my bedroom. My bedroom was only like five feet or six feet wide and nine oh, wow. feet long. It was like a prison cell. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I always thought the creature was going to reach in that window and just pull me out. Oh, so for, for like two years, I had the worst, the worst, uh, PTSD for, for, for the first, yeah. I mean, it was brutal. Yeah, it really was. I bet. That is the most incredible encounter I've ever heard, man. Uh, you must have balls of steel because I would have been, you know, i like, woo, getting late, gotta go, you know. Woo, you know? <laughs> uh, that's, that is incredible. And I, I, I've heard stories about the uh, Florida skunk ape, how it relates to other Sasquatches, that they're, they're a little bit more aggressive yes people people claim that they're smaller they're definitely more aggressive the one i seen was must have been an alpha because he was not small by any stretch of the imagination if he was a thousand pounds he was light yeah that is yeah. incredible uh you know we we could sit here and we could we could just you know, yak about experiences. You know, I could I could do the hey, welcome to Midnight Alchemy. This is the 15 hour edition. <laughs> uh, but I, I've got to move on to other stuff because yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, now, in the paranormal societies, I uh, you know I would think that there's ghosts and entities. Uh, absolutely. Talk, talk a little bit about your work uh, with like the Bronxville Paranormal Society. Yeah, well, we we do a lot of um, residential investigations. I don't charge anybody for my service. So if you have something going on in your house, or you, at least you think you have something, and you call me, I will come down and do a preliminary investigation to see if there's anything there. I have a psychic that I work with that's out of Arkansas. She's a, a fifth-generation psychic. She's a... Cherokee, Native Native American. She's Cherokee, and um, she reads everything through me. She says I'm a conduit. So we'll go in and we'll see if there's anything there, and if there is, she'll know right away. Can't, these entities can't hide from her, and she'll tell me what we're dealing with and how to, you know, how to cleanse it, or at least 
seal the seal the residents to keep the entities out so these people can live in peace you know we we've done stuff with um elementals we did a cleansing with elementals we did we've done cleansings where um people with a ouija board opened up a portal we've done we've done cleansings where people this one family had like six million mirrors in the house and they had like tons of mirror facing each other so they had created their own portals and there was stuff coming in there um just a lot of a lot of uh, uh individual investigations we've we did a case where we were dealing with a gin from the middle east yeah. Yeah. but it was in georgia mm-hmm. you know yeah. and um you know and we found out how it was brought back from the middle east from from one of the soldiers returning to the army bases in Georgia. And we, we did that and we, we got that, we got that cleansed. And so we've done a lot of, a lot of house cleansings. We've done a lot of investigations, um, insane asylums we've done, uh, here in the Northeast, we have these things that are, they're called the ancient stone chambers. And these, these giant chambers like they have in England and Ireland mm-hmm. made out of stone. And we've gone there, we've investigated those things, and we've actually opened up a portal in one of them. And, uh, you know, we got that. I think we got the video on YouTube where you could see the thermal. I don't know if you've seen Skinwalker Ranch where they came in with the rabbi. Oh, yeah. And the rabbi was preaching, and it had the thermal images going, and everything went from yellow, oranges, and reds to dark blues and purples. Okay. Well, that's exactly what happened to us when we opened the portal in the stone chamber. We had a thermal imager going, and the color we, we just did it ten years before Skinwalker Ranch, okay? And we we didn't put ours ours wasn't on television; it was on YouTube. But we got the same we got the same thing the the rainbow uh, spectrum on the thermal imager just changed for purples and blues. And uh, yeah, we opened up a, a portal there. So we've done a lot of investigations, a lot of you know ghost investigations. I've done an uh, an investigation at a slave cemetery, Ooh. which was pretty pretty interesting. And I did another one. I have a aunt who's from Germany, um, Nazi Germany. Okay, and she speaks fluent German. And up here where I live in Dutchess County was settled by the Dutch and the Dutch nicknamed it the devil's playground because there was so much paranormal activity. So I had a bright idea, a little light bulb went off one time. Said, <laughs> Let me get my aunt Rosemary to ask a lot of questions in German. Then I'll go back to the, I'll go to the Dutch cemetery, play the questions in German on one recorder and have another recorder going to see what we get. And we got responses in Dutch. Wow. And I actually had to go back to my aunt to find out what they were saying because it was, you know, I didn't, I don't understand Dutch, but Dutch and German are so similar. She, they understood her and she understood them. Yeah. Wow. That, that yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. That's that is- incredible. Yeah, I've heard of that before about, you know, the different language and stuff. And to me, it makes perfect sense. Because yeah. at that time, I mean, well, you know, everyone's an immigrant. And uh, it makes total sense that there would be, in, especially in, 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 up, you know, New York, where the Dutch, right? Right. Uh, settled. Um, 
one thing you said that really interested me is, is elementals. Can you, can you explain yeah. a little bit to the people out there uh, what that is? Well, elementals are uh, beings. Let's call them beings. I don't want to call them creatures, but a lot of people call them creatures. But they're beings that are from different dimensions or different realms that live in the woods. And we had uh, two, <laughs> we had two, um, two there were two. What they did was they cut these woods down and they built these giant condominium complexes, okay? And everybody whose condo faced the woods was having problems with paranormal activity. And, um, you know, and uh, we, we've, I've chased one out of that. It was, in, it was in spirit form or energy form. It came out, I was... I felt like I was chasing something around the house, like something was dodging me. Okay. So I got my I got my psychic on the phone and I said, What's what am I feeling? And why am I why is something's dodging me? And she says, You're dealing with the elementals because the client was getting beat up at night while she slept. I oh, mean, really, really beat up it. And she said she would look out her window, her bedroom window that faced her balcony that faced the woods and she would see like a gnome looking in you know a little gnome guy looking in and um so i went there i was going just for a preliminary investigation that just broke out into a whole big thing at one point we were standing in her living room and her she had a big german shepherd and the dog was running around us like it was chasing something and we were caught up in a vortex of energy that was just like mind boggling, right? And she, the woman is like fainting and I got my psychic on the phone and I got to pick her up, carry her, put her into bed, have her talk to the psychic, try to calm the dog down because the dog is going nuts. And I said, well, where do you see these balls of light, these energy? And she said, in the hallway. I look out my bedroom and I see so I was at the far end of the hallway and I was just about to take a photograph to see if I could get an orb on the photograph, right? I had the digital camera in my hand, my finger on the trigger, okay? An experienced paranormal investigator. When a ball of light comes out of the bathroom wall, it stops directly in front of me and it looks at me and I swear to God, the vibe I got was like, Oh shit, he's right here. You know, like it didn't realize I was on the other side of that wall. And it took off down the hall. And instead of snapping the photograph, I'm thinking I'm gonna reach out and touch this. I want to see what this energy feels like. Oh, so Lord. I went, I went to reach out to touch it and it took off. And I chased it down the hall. It made a right into her kitchen. I chased, I made a right into it. And it made a left out her patio door. I made a left out the patio door and it went right off into the woods. And my psychic said that it was, it was definitely an elemental. And this particular one looked like a gnome. But they have like these things they call tree nymphs and the fairies and stuff like that. These right. are all elementals. They come from different realms. Uh, they live in the they live in the forest, and uh, they do not. They are not happy when we come in and we just we cut down the forest to build condominiums. You know what I mean? They're just not happy about that stuff. As a matter of fact, her neighbor was pushed down a flight of steps by oh, the elemental, Lord. and died 
broke her neck. And when my my psychic seen it, she said, that woman didn't. Everybody thought she tripped, you know, going down the steps because nobody seen her. They just, you know, found her in the morning, you know, or at the end of the day when they were coming home from work. But my psychic said, no, she didn't trip. She was pushed down those steps by the elementals because her apartment faced the faced the woods as like as well as the clients. They were side by side. That is yes. that's incredible. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, another another one I'm really interested in is the gent. Uh, because they're not much known here in the western mm-hmm. uh, uh, part of the uh, part of the world. Um, and also <laughs> uh, for those people who don't uh, heard the show don't know i'm muslim okay so oh, okay me, uh to me it's just very uh intriguing Ex- explain that one situation with the gym okay so i don't know if you ever heard of rosemary ellen guiley yes so rose okay rosemary was a dear friend of mine i loved her dearly it broke my heart when i found out she passed she had we had we had we used to do monthly meetups and we would have her come in because she only, she didn't live far from me. She lived in Connecticut. She would come and she would speak at our meetups, you know what I mean? And uh, just sell her books and stuff. She never charged us anything. And she had just finished writing a book about the gin, you know? So I knew what the gin were, you know, um, not like, you know, I had an inkling of what they were, you know? And um, so I bought her books and I started, she started teaching me all about it. And a friend of mine, a, a kid I grew up with in the city, um, was living down in Georgia. And he calls me up one night and he says, Al, my daughter is being attacked every night in her room. And she's, oh, she can't sleep in her room. And this, that, and the other. And he's telling me all of this crazy stuff. And I was like, well, you know, try this, try that. We were trying all kinds of stuff, holy water and salt and this, and nothing was really working, you know? And um, I wanted, if nothing else, I wanted to make her bedroom a safe zone so she could sleep at night, you know? So I was talking to Rosemary and Rosemary said, um, see if she could draw what she's dealing with. Cause this girl would see it every night. It would come to her every night, you know? Yeah. And she drew it and she drew a gin. She, and it had tattoos and everything on its arms and everything. Yeah. And she drew everything. She was a really great artist. And so when I seen it was a gin, I almost fell off my chair. I was like, oh, man, um, I got to call Rosemary up, you know? So I, 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 I went to Rosemary and I said, this is what I'm dealing with. So Rosemary said, okay, this is what you have to do. Um, you have to find a cleric down there, um, go to one of the mosques, talk to a cleric, this, that, and the other. You got to get a, they have certain um, pendulum uh, pendants to wear, to protect against these creatures. So I went out and I got everything that Rosemary told me to get, the, the pendants, this, and I went to a mosque here. And I, my best friend growing up, we were like carbon copies of each other, what happened to be an Arab kid, okay? Yeah. And like like my neighborhood was all Italian, but we had like one Polak, one Jew, one, one Arab, one Irish guy, you know, and those were all my friends. We were like the original Motley crew, you know what I mean? As a matter of fact, the kid who talked to me, he was half, he was half uh, Apache, you know what I mean? So we, we had a real Motley crew. And uh, so Rosemary said, so I went and I went to, I will call my friend Roger, who was really Miss uh, 
uh, uh, uh, God, I can't even think of his real name. Uh, I call my friend Raj and I tell him what's going on. And he calls, tells, come in, come down. Now, now Raj is, 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 is a cop in a city cop. says, come down to my house. I'll call one of my uncles up there, cleric, and then they'll, they'll bless it. They'll do, they'll, you know, all this. And they gave me all this stuff. They, they, I went there and I met him and I talked to him and he gave me a whole like uh, box full of little trinkets and stuff to, to put around and to protect. And, and I sent it to, um, Georgia to my friend because he knew he knew he knew our he knew our friend too he grew up with him and um, this girl did everything that was said that was like the that the cleric told us to do you know what I mean um, Rosemary pointed me in the right direction and then the cleric he wrote out everything that needed to be done with everything that was in the box you know and um, she did it and not only did she banish it from her room and make a safe zone. But she banished it from her property, and I couldn't figure out for the life of me how a, a jinn from the Middle East ended up in Georgia. Right. And so I was talking to my friend. I was like, and he goes, "Oh, my daughter is dating a, a Marine, you know, here it's on a base, and he just got back from the Middle East, and that's this Marine seen." He was on patrol. Listen to this. He was on patrol, and he seen some guy, like a, a, a Taliban guy with a gun, like getting ready to shoot him. So he was just about to shoot the guy, but he seen there was something different. Something was wrong with the guy's eyes. So he didn't shoot him. He just watched. And then the guy, he seen like an entity leaves this guy's body. And... And then the guy just dropped the gun and put his hands up when he seen the Marine with the machine gun. You know? But right. that entity went into him yeah. and he brought it back to the United States. And when he brought it back, it had an attraction to his girlfriend who was my friend's daughter. And that's how it got here. I mean, what a crazy story. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was like, talk about uh, synchronicity. It was right in the middle of Rosemary writing her books about the gin, you know? Yeah. So I had an expert to go to for, cause I was out of my realm, you know, like, ah, this is above my pay grade. I don't know what to do with this. You know, right. I don't play, I don't play with dark things. You know, no. that's not who, that's not who I am. Right. When it comes to stuff like that, I call people who do that for a living. You know, I'll call John Zaffis and say, Hey John, you know, I, I got this case. Are you interested? I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be anywhere near that stuff, you know. Right. But um, yeah, and that's how the gin got to the United States through that through that marine. Man, that is incredible. Incredible. Uh, uh, you, you know, I've heard stories talking about the dark stories. And now Ouija boards, man, I won't even go near them. No, I have, me neither. Absolutely not. I had one experience and I won't talk about it because it yeah, I don't blame you. Just, I mean, it was, it, yeah. it talk about PSD for a while. It, it was, yeah, it was, yeah uh, I agree. Uh, but one of the guys I was really able to hang out with for a while, I don't know if you remember him, was uh, Malachi Martin. He used to be a uh, Catholic priest, and uh, he was uh, uh, got to be an advisor uh, to one of the popes over there. And he he was a Catholic Church sanctioned exorcist. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Malachi. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
Yeah, and he used to talk about it a little bit. And, and what really just got to me every time is he would always say every little exorcism that he did, it felt like a piece of his soul was gone. Yeah. And it's like, holy cow. Uh, have you ever, in, in your uh, investigations, have you ever run into anyone who, who you suspected maybe was possessed? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say possessed. I would say they had a they had like a, a dark attachment to him, but I wouldn't say possessed. You know, a funny story. I was with uh, John Zathis one. My brother, when we lived in Connecticut, my brother ran into, we, we, we would go see the Warrens every time they did like a, a, a seminar at a school or something. And my brother ran into Ed Warren one day at all places in the pizzeria, right? And he says to Ed, he said, Ed, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm a parapsychologist. I'm thinking about becoming a demonologist. And Ed said, Frank, don't do it. It takes years off your life. And he said, don't do it. So my brother never did it. So then when I ran into John Zaffis many years later, I said, hey, John, I got a question for you. You know, again, I'm, I'm sitting at a table when I got to pick his brain. I got a question for you. He's like, go ahead, I'll ask the question. It's like, when you do these exorcisms and you banish these entities, these entities don't die. You can't kill them. They just move on to another host. Yeah. Do you ever run across the same entity over and over again? Oh. And he said, I got a story for you. He said, we had just finished doing a big time, ex like three days up in Boston with this woman who are this person who was uh, had this possession and it took three days. It was him and the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine and the rest of their team, the New England Paranormal Society, whatever they call them. And he said, it took us three days to break this attachment and the, and the entity left. He said, that was in like um, May. He said, August, I found myself down in the Bowery in Lower Manhattan for a symposium. And as I'm walking past the, the, you know, down the Bowery, you had all the homeless people living in the alleys and everything. He said, this one guy who looked like he was dead to the world. He, you, you would have thought he was a dead body in the street. As I got closer, jumped straight up onto his feet. He said, I don't even know if it's humanly possible to do that. And ran right over to me. And he got his nose right up against mine and says, I know who you are, John Zaffis. Do you know who I am? Uh-oh. And John Zaffis said, I know exactly who you are. And if you don't back off, I'm going to banish you from this guy like I did just a couple of months ago up in Boston. And a thing backed off. He said, but they know you. They remember you. And they know you. Oh, and, and you run into them over and over again. Mm. I mean, absolutely blew my mind when he told me that story. Blew my mind. That is incredible. All right, all right. I'll open up a little bit. Uh, we <laughs> had, uh, had an experience with the Ouija board. A uh, bunch of friends. You know how it usually is a bunch of friends. You know, we got beers. We're hanging out, you know. Sure. And so, you know, one of my buddies, hey, you know, let's do the Ouija board. Ha, 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 right? And so we're like, all right, sure, you know. And so he breaks out this Ouija board, and, and we start messing around with it. Well, the room starts to get heavy. I mean, oh. just heavy. 
And so I made the faithful, fateful error of asking the name, who, you know, who am I talking to? And uh, the first letter was L. The second letter was U. The third letter oh, was God. C. And that's it. I no more after that, you know, and yeah. uh, it things, uh, it was heavy. Uh, the guy's TV falls over. Uh, he had this partially window open and in comes just a bunch of air, right? Freaked us the heck out. Right. And, uh, uh, so we all split. And so I get back to my house and, you know, it's later at night and, you know, of course me, I'm running in there, locking all the doors and windows because holy, you know, and in there and this kind of the window uh just starts like somebody's thumping on it. boom 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 like you know you see the kind of the, the bending of the glass and everything mm-hmm. and it kept going for an hour straight an hour straight i i, I brought my brothers into the room because i'm the youngest of three they're looking at the sucker and my older brother's like what did you do you know oh <laughs> And I'm like, well, you know, we messed with the Ouija board, you know, and he's like, you are a complete idiot, you know. I can't believe you come from my father's loins, you know. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? But it was just, uh, it was uh, literally for a year or two after I was spooked. I mean, you know, when you walk down the street at night, you're looking over your shoulder because you don't know what's going to happen. Did you have any dark dreams? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, you yeah. did. Oh, God. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing that someone's chasing you, uh, things about, you know, people close to me dying and horrific. Sort horrific. Of yeah. and, and just almost like uh, any way that that uh, person, the LUC, and I will not say the rest of them. No, I don't say his name. Yeah, absolutely. Mess with you messed with me and also messed with my friends right i mean we would get together i mean every like month or two hey 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 any more you know activity oh yeah yeah this happened this happened and uh there was an instance too uh like you mentioned earlier uh he lived on a like a three-story place right and the, the one from the second level going up to third level is like really steep right well he had to go up there to get some stuff one time and he was at the top of the stairs and, and he said he felt like someone just pushed hard. He goes, he goes tumbling downstairs, breaks his arm. Uh, and then he feels like the sucker's still coming after him. Right. So he gets up yeah. and just runs, you know, of course he, he ran out of the house, you know, but uh, he was like, man, this really happened. You know, he holds up his cast, you know, and says, sure. you know, this didn't come from nowhere, you know, right. And it was, yeah, it uh, it was uh, probably, except for being in the army, was the most horrific thing that's ever happened. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. How many were you? How many of there were you playing with the Ouija board? Yeah. And did all of you have experience? All four of you experienced stuff. Okay. Uh, there were four, right. there were four of us. Okay. Uh, as far as far as I know, uh, now maybe the guy who owned the board, maybe he did dabble in it. I never really did find out about his extensive usage of it. But uh, okay. at least for the rest of us, uh, we were complete newbies. I mean, yeah, you hear the stories and you you kind of uh, have your preconception of what it is. But uh, when people talk about portals and stuff like that, man, 
Yeah, don't mess with Ouija boards. Uh, so did not, so you you were having experience at your house and you were having dark dreams. How about yeah. the other three? The yes. other three were having the same. So yes. all four of you were being affected the same way. All four of us, right? It, it, wow. You know, mine's the window. And sometimes, you know, uh, you would get the feeling that somebody's watching you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I, you know, at the time, I just put it down to, okay, you're just creeped out, you know, you're feeling the stuff. But later, sure. as I became an old man, I start to question that, like, eh, maybe there's something more to that. Because, you know, your your intuition and your, your inner soul recognizes that stuff. And, yes. uh, but yeah, there was four of us. As far as I know, uh, I don't think either all four of us had any problems, but they all four had issues dreams uh one uh one of the guys he didn't didn't own the house not the guy at the ouija board but he moved away yeah because he was having problems and so his parents at that time you know we were in our teenage years and uh his parents you know in the old days what'd you do when you had problems you moved you yeah know, got out of the school yeah. whatever right and so I, you know, I've lost track of most of them. There's still one I talk to and I've, you know, we get together every now and again and we have that secret sort of conversation. Hey, has anything ever happened to you? You know, uh, but no, uh, it, it happened for, you know, the window in my room and it's up on the second story. You know? Yeah, it doesn't matter how high it is. Yeah. yeah, and it would just thump, thump, thump. And you know it ain't no wind. There's no wind no. outside. And it's no. just, you know, you see the bending a little bit of the thumping of it spooked me out. And uh, so this is the first time I've ever told it outside of our little circle of four. And of course, my brothers, too. because they. Did you, know, you ever tell it to Malachi? Uh, maybe. Okay. And, uh, and also Art Bell. Okay. And yeah, I'm more, I'm more concerned about Malachi. Did he yeah. ever say that you still had an attachment or did he say you were okay? No. Yeah. He said there was no attachment, but uh, okay. he read some stuff over me in the Latin to try okay. to uh, make kind of a ceiling sort of thing not to be messed with. But okay. he said, he said he could see, right. I don't this guy was incredible. He said you could he could see some re- residual effects, like you know, soul effects, like you know, and yeah. you know, spooked me out all over again. Uh, but yeah, he he read over me in Latin and stuff, and um, yeah, it was it was. So you you're very lucky that you knew him, yeah, and you were able to have somebody with his abilities to read over you like that and protect you and seal you like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. honestly, I don't believe, you know, when you deal with something that dark, yeah, that's able to do mess with four people at the same time that you ever really break those attachments, you know? And now my next question is yeah. um, the friends that you still in touch with, what, did everybody go on to have a normal life? Or did anybody have any addictions or stuff like that? Yeah, uh, one, one of them I know had a, a heavy addiction of heroin. Okay. Uh, the one that I talked to most of is he had a couple of his family members die, die under really weird circumstances. Weird circumstances, and yeah. uh, it just it just for years haunted, you know. 
Yeah, yeah no, that stuff that it's that's its whole goal is to break you down. Yes. And you got to remember, time is is a human construct. It doesn't exist in the ether of the universe. Right. So they have all the time in the world to break you down. All the time in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think guys it would be a good time to do a little bit of a public service announcement while talking <laughs> about this. Right. Because because I think what's important is as we talk about paranormal things and the construct of what we've seen or heard or experienced or what's going on, there is this perception with younger people sometimes and even older people that have never experienced something, the instant response is disbelief. And what I challenge our listeners and viewers to think about is that in this very automated world, this very electronic world, where everything is easy to be created, it's easy to create an image of something dark or scary, it's easy to, you know, make something that looks like, a, you know, a scary movie or a scary music or whatever, and that's all human generated. What we need to remember is that just because you might not have seen something doesn't mean it isn't real. It doesn't mean that it's not something that you should be leery of. And so for your own protection, for the protection of people around you, I don't believe most people experiment with a Ouija board with the intent to harm anyone. Right. And I don't believe that the intent is ever, I mean, it's, it's a board game for heaven's sakes. It was created years ago. It's not something that's ancient. It's something that's fairly new by all standards of paranormal paraphernalia. And it looks like it might be fun. And the idea of talking to another world or another dimension sounds exciting. Um, there's other ways to connect with the spirit world that are much safer. And if you are serious about wanting to know stuff, it's not a game. And if you can imagine that the spirit world is bigger than our world, by leaps and bounds and tampering with it and knocking at it and poking at it like a bear, you will get scratched. Don't go there, don't play. There are people that use a Ouija board safely and those are people that have training and are skilled. And it's a very different thing than a board game usage. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's sad too because people treat it as a game. Heck, Parker Brothers came out with a Ouija yeah. board. Yeah, Parker know? Brothers, yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, and people just come at it like I did. I was, you know, punk teenager yeah, with most, most kids. Like I said, I probably would have done it too as a kid if I didn't see my aunts and uncles doing it, you know, and conjuring. I mean, I remember hiding, me and my cousin Anthony were hiding in the hallway because we were too young to be out watching what they were doing. And we snuck out in the hallway and they had, uh, I don't remember if they were doing a Ouija board or if they were doing a tower cards, but I remember they had a candelabra going and the flames were going up and down. And like, I, you know, it was just like, Whoa, what's going on out here? You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, no. And unless you have experienced something like that, it's easy to poo poo it, you know, Oh, come on. You're just, but man, once you've experienced something like, like with you and the skunk ape and that, what you, you never forget, it leaves it leaves an imprint on you forever because you're right it's something that people just can't imagine they can't uh, process with their heads that this is going on because hey most of the time when you see things like that happen it's on tv it's yeah. been scripted you know it's not it's yes but no, it's not real, real man. life man woof it, it it changes you um and 
the, you know, you have a very um, unique experiences that you grew up around this, right? You yeah, yeah. Family, family members. So, you you know, you were introduced at a young age, and so that helped you process things and or comment things from a certain angle later in life that a lot of people just don't have. Yeah. I mean, I've, and a lot of my, my friends in the neighborhood all thought I was weird because even at like 10 years old, I was like, never afraid of death. I was like, I, I, I look forward to death. And they would be like, what do you mean you look forward to death? Because when I'm dead and I'm in the spirit form, I can go anywhere in this universe I want to go at the speed of thought. Just yes. think it and I'm there. And I'm looking forward to that, you know? And my friends thought I was out of my mind when I tell them stuff like that, you know? Right. So, I mean, but that was my unique outlook on life, you know? Sure, Because yeah. I know death isn't the end, you know? It's not. Right, right. I mean, it is for this shell, but it's not for the soul or the spirit. Absolutely okay. not. So, Alfred, for someone that's interested in the paranormal, that's new to it, for someone that's... Maybe this is the first time they've really looked at the paranormal or they're curious about, well, what can I do? What is safe to do? What would you tell someone that is curious about paranormal things, whether it's ghost research or tarot cards or, you know, skunk ape, whatever someone's fascination might be. What would you tell someone if they came up to you and said, well, how do I start? Where do I begin? What would you say? I would say find a legitimate team that you can um, uh, um, research off of and to ask questions. People who are, that know what they're doing, have been doing it a long time. And if you can't find a team that you can tag along with or just use as a stepping stone to learn, then try to find a meetup group in your area. Like we used to do monthly meetups um, we used to do a UFO meetup, a Bigfoot meetup, and, and a paranormal meetup. We had three every month. You know, I was never home. My wife was going crazy. But um, but try to try to if you if you could find a meetup in your area and you could go and be with like minded people. Yeah. And you could weed out the crazies because there's a lot of crazies in the paranormal community. There really are. There's a lot of people that have chemical imbalances and mentally disturbed that shouldn't be out on the street. But if you can, if you can uh, navigate through that and hook up with a, a, an honest bunch of people, people that know what they're doing, they're seasoned investigators that are willing to teach you, sit down with you and talk to you. You know, like I have people all the time reach out to me and say, Hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? I, I want to pick your brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd say, sure, let's let's meet for a cup of coffee and I talk. And uh, and the first thing I do is I want I want to feel like my I'm trying to feel their energy. What's their intent? Are they here? Are they here really to learn about power? Do they have really serious questions or are they just here mining me for information that they may want to put in a book or something? You know what I mean? Yeah. And once I once I figure out. If they're legit or not, then if they're not so legit, then I just tell them crazy shit that they, they don't believe in. You know what I mean? And they walk away and say, that guy's nuts. But if they are really somebody who's looking to learn and, and, and wants to do it the right way, I'll give them, you know, I'll give them straight up advice, you know, and, and how about going to, you know, 
to meet and to do these things because a lot of people, I know a lot of teams, they won't do residential investigations because they don't want to be responsible for the people in the home if they make things worse, right. you know? Because right. that's their fear is being sued or whatever, you know what I mean? Well, we got plenty of official documents that you have to sign to make sure that we're not liable for anything, you know what I mean? And my whole thing was, that's the reason I got into it is to help people who didn't know where to turn. And, right. or you have people out there that are willing to help you, but at a cost, you know what I mean? And a, a, they want to charge you $1,500. You know what I mean? Well, I'll come in and uh, if you want to give me a donation for the cost of the equipment I needed to do your cleansing, that's fine. If you can't afford it. I had an old woman one time knit me, a hat she knitted Aww. me a, she knitted me and my partner she knitted me a hat i think my partner a scarf nice. she she was living in a senior citizen building and she was dealing with an italian guy from sicily who put the evil eye on her oh no and and his girlfriend was from the philippines who put a curse on her oh good you Lord. know and we went there and we did all kinds of research and, you know, about the evil life. I know anything I know about the evil eye. I've had it taken off of me a couple of times by ex-girlfriends. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so we, what you would call it, you know, we, we researched what she, was, what she was dealing with and we figured out how to combat it. And we went there and we sealed her apartment and we cleansed it and her, everything she touched turned to crap because of what these people were doing to her oh my goodness soon as we cleansed her apartment her fortunes changed uh 90 degrees Boom went the other way and she was able to get out of there and move to california to, to she got a senior citizen apartment out in california to be closer to her daughter she well, she was tired of being on the east coast by herself and these people were making her life miserable and it was funny we we did the cleansing because the both the the Italian guy lived on one side of her, and the Filipino lady lived in the apartment on the other side. So they were kind of from both sides. They were wow. really so when we sealed everything off, we when we were leaving, and you could feel you know you know how they say the room gets lighter. Yes. Not only it feels yeah. lighter, but it gets brighter. You could see right hand, hand to God. That is exactly what happened. Not only did the room feel a thousand pounds lighter but it seemed like someone put a giant spotlight and where everybody could see better. And when we were leaving, we weren't wearing our shirts or anything. We just went in incognito, you know, like nobody in the building knew who we were. They thought we were just visiting this old lady. When we left, we ran into the old Italian guy walking in and he had a cane with a really evil uh, head headpiece on it. You know what I mean? Right. So he was definitely into dark stuff, you know, and it was funny because as we were, as me and my partner, Brian, were walking out, I seen him coming and I seen his cane and I went, Brian, check him out. This has got to be the Italian guy who lives next door. Look at his cane, you know, right. and he just looked like an Italian guy. He just looked like a grease ball from the city. You know what I mean? And I was like, you know, I could I could spot one of those guys anywhere. And I said, oh, right. this is definitely this is definitely Paisan. And then I said, look at the cane. And then Brian, we, we just, you know, we didn't say, actually, as we were walking by, he was giving us the evil eye looking at us like, what are you guys doing here? 
Who he are was, you? He was sensing like, something. Yeah, he was sensing that Absolutely. we were there. And I just looked at him and I said, how you doing? And I just walked, kept going. And he's like, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. And he goes, me too. I go, good to hear. And we just kept walking. And, right. uh, but um, he didn't know, but he sensed that we were up to something. Of course. It's just like we we sensed he was the guy doing it, you know? Of course. And, uh, yeah. Oh my God, it, it was crazy. But like, she didn't have a penny to a penny to you know pot the piss in or a window to throw it out of. So she called us up about a month later, and she wanted our addresses. We gave her our address, and we said, "Please, we don't want anything from you. You know, we don't even want gas money. You know, you don't have yeah. anything. We don't want nothing from you." Right. And then uh, my partner Brian calls me and says, "Hey, I got a scarf from the mail oh, from Zoltan." Cool. I go, "Yeah, I, I got a I got a hat." He goes. It goes take a picture, and so we and it was the same like uh, design as like yeah. when you when you knit, it was the same color fabric. Nice. And so she must have bought a yard a yard of yarn and mm-hmm. knitted a hat and a scarf out of the same stuff and then mailed it to her. Oh, that's uh, yeah. Awesome. We still and and we both still have the same those pieces. You know what I mean? Nice. It meant it meant a lot to us. It really did. That's very that's cool. awesome. That reminds me of that scene in the in the wedding singer where she pays the guy in meatballs, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that is very cool. Hey, um, and I appreciate when you were talking about uh, people who are looking into the paranormal. Is I, you know, uh, I uh, give a little bit more credibility right off the bat to those who don't ask for money or, or don't you know ask you to pay. Because, I mean, you're doing it for a labor of love, right? You're doing it because it's your passion. It's your interest. It isn't like just some money-making scheme that someone saw on TV show, you know, about paranormal. Right. And, and I think that's important, too, is when you're looking, if you got an interest in some and you're looking around for groups and other people talk to, make sure it's, it's, it's somebody who doesn't have anything to gain out of it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, unfortunately, in this field, a lot of guys like we ran, we, we've had to go clean up other piece of people's messes. Right. Um, oh, we'll come in and then we'll investigate. We won't charge you anything. Yeah. Oh, great. But they're not doing they're investigating to get evidence for themselves to put on YouTube. You know what I mean? And oh. then they leave with all this evidence and they've the house now the house is like the tornado you know what i mean they've got all this energy all built up and all activated um where before the lady was getting a bang on the wall now stuff is flying out out of the counter off the counters at her you know and we go in and we say listen you got to you have to vet the people who are coming here because if they're not going to charge you, that's wonderful. But if they're just doing it for evidence for themselves, it's no good because they're right. not doing anything to help you. They're doing it to help themselves, you know? It's just for the like wrong the, reasons, you know, yeah. Maybe the guy who's going to charge you $1,500 is doing it, A, to make a buck, B, to get some evidence to put on his YouTube channel. But maybe, just maybe, He's able to actually get rid of the, the what you're dealing with. You know what I mean? But I'm telling you, we've run across more people who either overcharge people and don't do anything or don't charge people and just jack up the energy in the place. And then we got to go in and we got to, you know, calm it down, you know? So, um, 
Okay, so you so, gotta you you gotta vet. Everybody's gotta be vetted. Everybody's okay, gotta be. So vetted. when you say that, so someone that needs help, let's say someone moves into a house and they know that it's haunted very quickly, stuff starts happening. Other than their gut feeling, hiring somebody, what would you tell someone? You know, someone you know that's in a you know, and they say, well, how do I find out? How do I vet someone? What would you tell someone? How do what? I would say. Person? I would say. I would say look up paranormal paranormal teams in your community on the internet and then read read the reviews on them um if they're doing um residential a lot of like i said a lot of teams won't do residential so but if you you read their reviews okay and then after you read their reviews go down to a metaphysical store and Talk to the people at the store. See what if they know these people, if they really are who they say they are. And okay. if not, if they could recommend somebody who's honest, that knows what they're doing, who could help them. You know, if you go into like in New York, up especially up here in the Hudson Valley where I live, we have a lot of metaphysical stores. Oh, yeah. And we go, I go into all of them. Everybody knows me. And, um, you know, and they, everybody knows other people you know what i mean it's a small community and everybody knows everybody else and if this guy is a shyster they'll tell you uh stay away from that guy he's no good he's just in it for the money or this guy's you know he's full of shit or this guy does more damage than he does good stay away from him you know and they'll tell you who the honest guys are and who who the and the, the ones who aren't are so yeah, you know, you could always go into those metaphysical stores and ask around. You know, don't just go into one. Go into two or three, you know, and ask ask them for help or if they know anybody. Because I would bet my bottom dollar that everybody knows everybody. You know what I mean? And like I said in the beginning, remember I was telling you, we're, we're a paranormal community up here, but we have one team that nobody gets along with. Yeah. Well, if you went to any of these uh metaphysical stores up here and you ask them about these certain teams when you get to that team they'll say no, don't deal with those people those people are no good you know what i mean deal with this one deal with that one but don't deal everybody knows they know it's a, it, it seems like it's a large community but it's really not it's a very small community yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we before we started the show um you said a word that really resonated with Holly and me, the, the term para-unity. Because uh, a lot of groups, you know, it's a competition, right? Yes. And they, yeah. they don't sandbag the other people, you know, don't go to them, they suck, you know, uh, on, only us, you know. Uh, and I love that term para-unity because it is, it is a community, you know. And yeah. you, you have to have some sort of unified front in a society that thank god it's more mainstream now but yeah absolutely 20 30 years ago what you know isn't the yeah, case I, uh, I told you my brother my brother took a lot of abuse i bet he did i yeah. bet he did yeah. yeah hey you know what really uh sucks is that you know <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the ufo stuff and <laughs> I mean, we, we could go on another couple hours. Uh, and so we have got to get you on again, man. Absolutely. It, Whenever you guys want me. I'm that'd easy. be awesome. 
it feels like we've only uh, you know hit the tip of the iceberg on this. No, one. we we did just we barely scraped the tip of the iceberg. Well, really. we had, yeah. we had to do the Squatch Father stuff because that was yeah. too good. When you said yeah, that well, when we were talking online, I thought, oh man, that's so perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. As a, um, a friend of mine, uh, Chris Reinhardt, um, uh, our, um, Berkshire Mountain Bigfoot. He's out of Connecticut. He's yeah. got a YouTube channel called Discover Sasquatch Investigations. Okay. And he labeled me the Squatch Father. Did he? You really? know? Oh, yes. He labeled me the Squatch Father. So, um, you know, um, and I labeled my partner, Brian, the paranormal professor, because Brian is one of those guys who's got one of these, no matter, he's so well read and he's got one of those photomatic, photographic memories. Oh, that nice. no, Whatever he reads, he remembers forever. You know what I mean? Like nice. he tells me stuff about investigations that I forgot happened, you know? And uh, so I enabled him the paranormal professor and I'm the Squatch father. And nice. Chris is going to come down here. He's going to do an investigation with us. Uh, this summer, and then we're going to go up to to what you call the Berkshires and do an investigation with him. Actually, we want to do a couple of them this year: one in the one in the spring, one one during the middle of the summer, one in the fall, and if weather permitting, maybe one in the, in the dead of winter. Because I don't believe they migrate um, like uh, a lot of people think they go south, you know, for the winter. I was like, no. They're, I believe they migrate, but in a circular pattern. They have like a giant range, and they may be here in the in the fall, but in the summer they may be somewhere else. But it's a it's a circular migration, you know what I mean? Right. Not a a linear migration, and so they're always in their home range. So um, we're just trying to figure out. I like I know I have five different spots, and I know when each clan is at each spot, you know what I mean? And they're not like the ones that are at the sacred site in October, they're not going to be there in the dead of winter. They may be somewhere else at the, but there's plenty of game up here for, for a large predator, you know, and um, we have tons of game animals here in New York. And uh, so there's, there's not a, there's, it just, they don't have to worry about being hungry. Put it that way. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I love the thing about the migration because it, it, what comes to mind is them like going to Martha's Vineyard, you know, or the Catskills. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they, they do. We, we have like the Appalachian Trail and, and they do. People spot them up and down the Appalachian Trail from Maine to Georgia. And, but they're not migrating from Maine to Georgia. You know what I mean? There just happens to be a ton of clans along that trail. The trail is almost 3,000 miles long. You know what I sure. mean? Right. So, um, so of course, you're going to see them on it, you know, just depending on where you are, um, depending on the time of the year. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's just where I stand on my migration. I hear people say, oh, they go south for the winter. No, no they don't. they're not snowbirds. They don't go south right. for the winter, you know. They're not going to Florida to get away from the, <laughs> the northeastern, you know, snowstorms. No, they stay right here. You know, I've I've been lucky enough to find a, a, a couple of their dens. And been, I've been inside the dens. You know what I mean? I've been inside what I call the day nest. Um, you know, I've also been inside 
a dogman den, you know. So I know the difference between a dogman den and a Sasquatch den, and even like the day nest, you know what I mean? They they make these day beds or whatever that they um because they're basically nocturnal creatures, you know what I mean? They're doing they're moving around, they're moving around at night because they know we're asleep at night. They're not gonna bang into us, run into us, you know. But of course, during the day, you'll still have maybe a sentry, you know, watching over the clan that may be sleeping. And he, you may cross, he may cross your path at any given moment, but it's, you know, if you're going to investigate these creatures, whether it's Dogman or Bigfoot, you have to investigate them day and night. And I, I always go out. I always do a day and night. Whenever I go out to investigate anything, I do a day and night. And I always go old school, new school, because you never know what techniques are going to work, where and when, you know, a lot of the times your batteries get drained, you know, you're in the middle, it's four miles deep in the middle of the woods and your batteries go drained. Now, what are you going to do? But if you're using old school techniques like pendulums and dowsing rods and compasses and stuff like that, you don't have to worry about batteries, you know? Right. That's incredible. Good. Sorry. I was going to say, I would like you to take a minute and let's continue talking a little bit about the different groups that you work with and for people that want to reach you. If someone has questions for you, how do they get a hold of you? And what about your other groups and how are you uh, available in that area too? That's, that's right. It's hype time. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you could reach me. on My partner, Brian, has us on every single social media site in the world. I just hover around Facebook. I don't have the time to play with all of those different sites. I just don't. I, I just can't. I just can't. But um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me at Al Santa Riga. You can uh, message me on Messenger. If you don't want to direct me, hit me up directly. Um, the Bronxville Paranormal Society has not only a Facebook page, a group page, but we also have a Facebook um, team page. You can reach me there. We have uh, the BPS hotline. We have the New York State UFO Project on Facebook. Again, all of these groups are on Facebook. And the UFO Project has a hotline number as well. It doesn't matter which number you call. They both go to me or my partner, Brian. Um, whether you're reaching out to us, if you reach out to us on the New York State UFO Project, I get the, I get the emails. Uh, he gets the emails. If you reached out to us on the BPS team, Bronxville Paranormal Society, same thing. Same thing with the uh, New York State Sasquatch Organization and the same thing with the New York State Dogman Project. If you just drop an email there, we both get the we both get them. And, you know, who's ever available usually re replies to it. Or if you're asking for me or if you're asking for Brian or whoever you're asking for, you know, we'll make sure that if I, if I see before Brian, he doesn't see it, I'll call him and say, listen, you got a question, reply nice. to it, please. Yeah. And vice versa. You know what I mean? So as far as the groups we work with, we do work with, I work with, I work with Chris Reinhardt from the Berkshire mountain Bigfoot up in Connecticut I also work with Chris Connor down in um, uh, Florida. Um, the Gail Beatty, she's a Bigfoot researcher of the Hudson Valley. Um, she's, again, she's a local, she's the only other local Bigfoot around here. And we do have a team, people we work with in, um, you know, New Jersey. We're basically tri-state, New York, New, uh, New Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island, you know, 
we we have we know other groups out there that we associate with and uh we pass information along to each other you know and it and we do the same thing with the ufo groups and the paranormal groups as well so it's nice hey you know uh I love the term the Squatch Father. That's awesome. One of the best names ever. And I'm I'm getting this whole Marlon Rando out. Right? You can't refuse, you know. That's that is awesome, man. Uh Holly, uh, we're winding down here. Any last words? Yes, I want to mention for anyone that hasn't heard about it in Washington, in the city of Forks, Washington in particular. This upcoming month, third weekend of May, there is a Squatch Fest. It will be its second or third year of inception. And Forks, Washington, for any of you that are vampire fans, the Twilight series was based on that city. Even though it was filmed in Oregon, Forks, Washington is very well known for the Twilight series and being a, a home to visit for that. So this is another cool thing in that small town. And so we're very excited. We're hoping to attend there and just make some contacts and get to see what's going on there. But it sounds like a wonderful event. So if you look up on the webpage for Forks, you can see in Forks, Washington, the Squatch Fest event coming up in May. Um, and we also have our UFO Festival coming up also in May, and that's in McMinnville in Oregon. And we're really excited about that. There's, there was a sighting in 1950 and this festival has been going since 1957 in McMinnville. Wow. So it's been around quite a while. Um, the images that were taken by a local farmer and his wife in 1950 have been through the gamut and proved to be legit. They were not messed with, they were not altered. Um, the Navy's looked at them, the Air Force has looked at them. Everyone has vetted these images as legitimate. And so it's really a celebrated event. Um, so yeah, if you haven't been to these events, people, I really encourage you to check them out, look them up on online and see what the details are. They run the gamut of the weekend. The entire weekend is dedicated to these events and they're fun. It's a great place to meet like-minded people and to learn fun things. All right. It's uh, sponsored by McMinimans. So that's a free plug for you, McMinimans. Yeah. Uh, check, is, <laughs> check is in the mail. <laughs> uh, yeah i got this has been such an awesome interview man and again we just scratched just the very tip of the iceberg so yeah, I, I feel absolutely. like there's going to be a, a series coming on right <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, absolutely I, i'm easy i really am and uh anytime you want me you got me just you know give shoot me some dates i'll check my calendar i've done more interviews this year that I could even count. I don't even know what number I'm up to. Yeah. And it's it's ridiculous. And the, for some reason this year it just blew up. Everybody and their mother wanted to talk to me. And I, mm. I don't know why I've been That's doing awesome. this for such a long time. You think everybody would have heard all my stories. But like I said, we're, we go out and investigate all this. As a matter of fact, I was up at a shooting range just today. Uh, and I met two young ladies, one who happens to be from Oregon. And she was telling me stories. You know, Sasquatch, yeah. and the other one who was a local, and she was telling me ghost stories and locations up by the shooting range, where it was, which is only like a half hour from me, where I have to go and investigate because she told me some amazing stuff. So, wow. yeah, always, always meeting people, always learning new, new, uh, uh, and what you would call locations. And uh, next time we talk, you got to remind me about to tell you about the Coast Guard incident. Okay. 
Yeah, you'll you'll love that one. Okay, I'm making a note. Excellent. All right, Holly, let's wrap this up. All right. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching us. Uh, so for Holly and me, Jason, and the Squatch Father, this has been Midnight Alchemy, and we will see you all again very, very soon.